1: 11 a.m. on a Wednesday morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Reyer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning right here from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa entering its 14th year in business now in greater Tuscaloosa. I know the folks there at Peterbrook Chocolatier certainly appreciate your uh, your help, your support, your patronage there at the store and always great treats there for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier whether you like the traditional approach maybe it's the the specialty chocolates they can take care of that for you they do custom molds as well so if you're looking for that specific something special they can do that for you customized chocolate there for you at Peterbrook Chocolate here joined on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither who together we combine to form the 60 minute men of sports talk radio Joe Gaither one day closer to what becomes an even bigger football weekend. As a Chicago Bears fan, how excited are you to get this thing going? Not only get it going, but I guess in uh, divisional play, right?
2: Bears and Lions, week one, 12 o'clock. We usually fare well against the Lions, so I'm hoping to start the season off on the right foot.
1: Matt versus Mitch, when you talk about quarterbacks, right? Stafford versus Trubisky. How long is it going to take, Joe, before we see Nick Foles?
2: Uh, About two weeks, maybe. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, Trubisky usually plays well against the Lions. That's one of the teams that he actually plays well against. Uh, So we'll see if he can hang on to that job. He's going to have a short leash for sure.
1: Yeah, short leash. Short leash, you would think, with Nick Foles. Super Bowl MVP sitting there waiting in the wings. 205-342-9904 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolate Theater studio line, by the way. If you'd like to jump on board with us, you are more than welcome to do so. Yeah, we got NFL football tomorrow night with the Texans at the Chiefs. So we get the quarterback matchup right out the gate with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we want to get into, you know, whose time of year it is. Don't forget. Don't forget about Rusty. Rusty's back. The return of Rusty and those home dogs with teeth. When it comes to collegiate and professional football, we'll run down some offerings for you on the program. You can find those also on the personal Twitter account at Travis Ryer, T R A V I S R E I E R, and your options, your selections for this week for home underdog. With the sharpest teeth. Uh, we've got Wake Forest. How about Wake right out the gate getting 32 and a half at home against Clemson? Yeah, that's Saturday night. That's your ABC primetime game. Yeah, that reeks of primetime, doesn't it? On a Saturday night. Wake and Clemson, uh, the Demon Deacons getting 32 and a half at home. Our, our Jacksonville Jaguars getting seven and a half at at home in front of 13,000. Going to have fans in the stands. I know, right? Insert your joke here. When it comes to our Jaguars. But those state of Florida teams in the NFL, they're going to have fans. And so the Jags will have a little bit of a home crowd. The problem for the Jags is that Philip Rivers now is the starting quarterback for the Colts. And Phil has a history of doing immense damage to our Jags. Previously, during his time with the San Diego slash LA Chargers has never really worked out all that great for the Jags when they go up against Phillip Rivers, uh, the in-state product here uh, from the Athens area, I guess it was, with Phillip Rivers before he went to NC State. So the Colts laying seven and a half uh, on the road in Jacksonville. The Rams in the new SoFi Stadium. It's going to be interesting, right? Been keeping up with hard knocks. I didn't see the final episode. I've got it recorded on the old DVD, or is that DVR? What is that called? Yeah, it's DVR, right? Something like that. I've got that baby recorded. I haven't caught that final episode, but the Rams, we're going to talk about a couple of the teams, the two teams that were featured on Hard Knocks this time around. Rams are getting three at home Sunday night. Against Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Trayvon Diggs, rookie corner. Looks like he's going to get the start in his first game. Interesting, right? Trayvon Diggs right out the gate for the Cowboys. Going to start at corner. Ha-ha Clinton Dix, of course, recently released by the Cowboys. But the Rams will get three at home on Sunday night. And then Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner. Going to make his NFL debut Sunday against the Chargers there in Cincinnati, and the Bengals will be getting three. Jonah Williams, after missing the 2019 campaign, uh, looking to make his debut as sort of the personal protector, I guess, for Joe Burrow. So there you go. Wake Forest getting 32 and a half at home, Jags getting seven and a half at home. Rams getting three at home and the Bengals getting three at home against the Charges. Right now, you folks seem to like the Rams getting the three uh, best of those four selections. Alabama Crimson Tide back on the practice field yesterday. You heard from Nick Saban following the workout. Nick kind of ran the gamut. Rick, uh, Nick, excuse me. Nick did uh, remind you that he is not going to endorse any political camp candidates ever. Never has, never will. Nick Saban said, uh, he certainly got into some football topics and a lot of COVID discussion, as you might expect. Um, no real specifics. That's been the, the approach by Alabama to this point. Uh, Nick did point out that in terms of hospitalizations and, you know, Players that have tested positive Alabama actually showing symptoms of COVID-19. They've uh, been minimal in that regard. And uh, so that's a good thing. But the problem, again, if you're a football coach right now, is a couple of things. The problem is uh, the, the, the rules right now, the sort of uh, the rules that are in play don't involve hospitalizations. You know, they're just total cases right now. And you're also talking about contact tracing and how it's impacting rosters. And you you heard Jeremy Pruitt over the weekend talk about that in relation to the Tennessee Vols. We told you here earlier in the week, Tennessee uh, down 44 players for a Saturday practice over the weekend. Uh, 27 or 28 of those, Pruitt said, were COVID-19 protocol related. Now, of that number, he said there were seven or eight positive tests involved. So, again, when you do the math on the positive cases into the contact tracing, that's when you see the unavailability of players really spike, go from seven or eight to 27 or 28, because you're talking about guys who live together. You're talking about position groups. I and mean, we've already seen some of that. You know, these groups that work closely together, offensive lines, defensive lines, I mean, those are areas where you have big concerns. And that's where it seems like some of these teams have been hit the most. So we heard from Nick Saban on that. Uh, Nick Saban was asked about the quarterbacks. And you typically won't get Nick Saban, as we know, as we well know, to sort of speak in terms of a depth chart, or maybe as he prefers to refer to it as, an organizational grouping. But I thought Nick's comments in relation to the position last night pretty much told you what you anticipated. Are you expected to be the case right now at the position? with Mac Jones coming off a really good week, according to Nick Saban. Really good practice on Saturday, which wasn't a scrimmage, but apparently had very much the feel of one with all the different game-like situations that were in play, and apparently Mac really shined in going from that first Saturday of preseason practice to the second Saturday. You know, Bryce Young really, given everything involved, with no spring practice as an early enrollee, with missing the first scrimmage of preseason practices, you now Bryce Young's about where he's supposed to be. You know, like Nick said last night, and he said, I think Bryce Young has shown he's a very talented guy. He's just got to get more knowledge and experience to be able to be a little more consistent in terms of his execution. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't that where we should expect Bryce Young to be right now? for all of his you know individual skill and talent you still have to have time in the system you know and especially time in the system where it relates to simulating a game as closely as you possibly can so whereas perhaps this last saturday you know Bryce Young showed signs of inexperience and a little bit of the growing pains that come with certainly playing quarterback at this level. I won't be surprised at all if next week, after Saturday scrimmage, we hear "bam," Bryce Young really stepped it up in that second Saturday. I think that's a reasonable sort of expectation. And of course, Paul Tyson still in that mix as well. And you know how you're going to rep these guys, as we talked about, going to be very fascinating with the COVID nineteen situation. I guess if you assume maybe one of these guys has already been through the protocol, perhaps has even tested positive, perhaps um, you could view that if how much ever you can put into immunity and antibodies and things like that post a positive test, maybe it's a, uh, a, an optimistic outlook. You can look uh, at the position with maybe at least one of these guys, but, um, and it's just really going to be week to week as we talked about with the With the contact tracing in play, man, that could be as impactful on a weekly basis uh, as anything else that we see during this college football season. 205-342-9904 is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. We also heard Nick Saban talk about last night the impact of the extra year of eligibility that's being afforded to players in the midst of this pandemic. And you kind of got to know the parameters of that situation when you start trying to project what that impact will be like on not only Alabama, but certainly programs that cost college football. And there's certainly a financial and economic perspective you have to take into consideration to be frank. Uh, there are probably more than a few teams at the FBS level, few programs that it's just not going to be affordable to try to carry 90, 95, 100 guys on scholarship, even if it is just for one year. And that's essentially what you're looking at. You know, this is a situation where with the extra year, seniors this year, if they stay another year, they won't count against the 85 total in 2021. Um. And so, you know, I think Alabama and other programs are going to be able to sort of pick and choose who gets to come back for an extra year. I don't think, big picture-wise, when you start looking at underclassmen, it's going to impact, say, an Alabama at all in terms of their recruiting numbers. For instance, Alabama for the 2021 cycle right now, as we told you yesterday with the commitment of Robbie Utes, the tight end from Rock Hill, South Carolina, Alabama right now... Uh, with 21 commitments, and I think Alabama is going to sign a full boat this year. I don't think Nick Saban is thinking, well, you know, with this extra year for some of these sophomores and juniors, we may have to budget accordingly in terms of initial counters for the next year or two. I I don't think that's going to be the case at all. What we've seen at Alabama has been – If anything, more guys leaving after their third year. You know, it's a little bit of an anomaly this time around. It's not common the years in which you see Alabama with, say, as many redshirt seniors as they're going to have this season. We laid it out for you here in the last couple of days just between the interior offensive line and the tight end positions. You know, you could see as many as five fifth-year seniors on the field together just between those areas interior offensive line and tight end you got two fifth-year seniors at the top of your depth chart and you've got uh three fifth-year seniors there in your interior of your offensive line landon dickerson chris owens deontay brown and then of course miller forestall and carl tucker at the tight end position. So that's not something you see all that often anymore. What you see just as much in recent years, anyway, is with the early enrollees getting a jump start, you see guys get their degree in three and a half years. And then if they're able to redshirt in one of those years, they're leaving Alabama with two years of eligibility. Guys like Brandon Kennedy who actually is going to be a six-year guy this year at Tennessee. Dallas Warmack, who moved on to the University of Oregon previously. Terrell Shavers, most recently, one of those guys. Moving on to Mississippi State. Apparently, Terrell made some plays in the Mississippi State scrimmage over the weekend, so good for him. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolate studio line right now and check in with Corey over in the Birmingham area. Corey, how you doing this morning?
2: Good morning, Travis. How you doing this morning?
1: Hanging in there, my man.
2: Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, does Does Nick Saban seem, in your opinion, concerned about the punting game, in your opinion?
1: About the run game? The punting uh, I I would think not so much. I think if he's worried about the run game, Corey, Nick Saban's concerns in that area involve his defense more than his offense. I was talking
2: about the punting.
1: Oh, punting. Okay. Um, based on his comments last night, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run out right now and wager on Alabama being home to the 2020 Ray Guy award winner. If you're wondering, no, um, when he talks about it in terms of three guys who are doing, in his words, halfway decent, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't bring uh, J.K. Scott like uh, ability to mind. Look, I think they've got, as he said, a couple of three guys, and you know Ty P. Ryan, obviously in that mix. You've got Charlie Scott, the brother of J.K. Scott, who has come in uh, as a transfer. Um, you know that's a That's a problematic type situation. Still, I I saw enough from P Ryan last year to think in field flipping situations. You know, when maybe you're backed up a little bit and you need to really, you know, get one out of there um, and flip the field. I I think Ty P Ryan can do some of that. I, I think it was interesting what Saban said in that. You know, they all have areas in which they need to improve, which makes me think perhaps we could end up seeing multiple guys handle that job one maybe is a field flipper maybe another is a a guy that you bring in to work on the short field but um no i, I think it's definitely a concern I, I think the best thing alabama has going for it right now is that with this offense maybe it'll be able to uh do enough that that punting won't be as as critical as it's been in some years
2: are you convinced the defense will take some strides this year in order to prevent from what happened last year
1: it better it better um but i i am i am drinking from that kool-aid right now uh because the depth and the experience that you've got now on that defensive line if you can keep lebron ray healthy to go along with those young guys who were sort of forced into action last year um dylan moses back healthy um linebacker situation right up the middle of the defense has a chance to be much improved even with Xavier McKinney moving on from the safety spot I think the perimeter is still where you're going to have the biggest questions although you know between Patrick Sertan and the expectation that Josh Job is there at this point uh, to go along with maybe you know a freshman like Brian Branch and Malachi Moore perhaps and then um uh, Daniel Wright's been in the system for a long time now at safety, and of course, I think Jordan Battle uh, is probably, you know, along with Branch. If you want to talk about the next great Alabama safety, that's probably the direction I would go.
2: I about Coach Murphy's team hitting the practice field yesterday for the first time in a long time, and I'm sure they're excited to get back to practicing because we we all don't really know what the season could have been, but. I'm sure they're very excited to be back on
1: the field yesterday. No doubt about it. And uh, you talk about that ability to basically bring back your entire roster intact. Uh, you know, it was a team that was 14 and 8 at, at the time when when the season was shut down, and you know, had just come off a conference series win, two out of three. And uh, but but to that point, for a variety of reasons. I, I don't think it sort of met up to the expectations. It played a pretty tough schedule, um, but I'm sure. I mean, with it starts in the circle, as you know. And when you bring back that type of talent, that type of depth, and to get some experience uh, for for a newcomer or two there, like you did last year, uh, this should be a, a really, really good team.
2: You think Barrett will get back to form because – Last year, just something was off. Really yeah. all the pitchers, so something was just off. I mean, I, and I understand when, when you're really good, your freshman year, you're going to have tape on, see on you. And, and really Sarah Cornell and Crystal Goodman, but really felt that that's really who everybody was holding in on. And there was something was just off about her. Yeah. Do you think we'll see her back to her freshman form.
1: I would, if I was going to wager on it, I would say yes. I mean, too much talent there. Um, and, and she cares about it. You know, obviously, she's a competitor. And look, you've got competition within that staff. I mean, you bring back a Sarah Cornell. As I said earlier, you got some experience for Alexi Kilfoyle last year. Crystal Goodman's back. So, uh, yeah, I, I would certainly think so. Uh, Corey, no doubt. We got to run to this break, but as always, we appreciate the phone call, my man.
2: Good talk to you, Travis. Roll tight.
1: There he goes. Corey checking in with us. We appreciate it on a Wednesday morning. We're going to step to a break. It is a Wednesday morning, so that means Cecil Hurt coming up next on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here right after this. It's tradition. A hot afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny behind today 91. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 71. And for tomorrow and Friday, partially sunny both days with scattered mostly afternoon and evening showers and thunderstorms. Highs between 87 and 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather
0: Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide. Tide.
2: sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting in the evening come Watching the ships roll in And then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, and
1: on Born on this day, day in 1941, day. that gentleman right there, the late, great Otis Redding, all-timer in and Otis Redding. Dawson, Georgian native who moved on to Macon, Georgia at a very young age, and the rest, as they say, is history. Not enough of it, though. Died at just the age of 26 years old in a plane crash. We celebrate Otis Redding. Today on the SFS playlist. We're going to get back to the Peterbrook Chocolate your studio line right now. I know what we got an Otis Redding fan waiting to talk with us, and Cecil Hurt, the sports <laughs> editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. A little Otis for us on a Wednesday. Cecil?
0: Otis came from a different time, you know, when it wasn't singer necessarily singer songwriters. You know, Otis would cover a little bit of everything. Otis has a you know, he's got a he's covered the rolling stone, he's got a satisfaction. Um you know, he's got he's got all sorts of stuff and all of it's great, saying anything.
1: Otis, Aretha, Ray Charles, Sam Cook, I guess Al Green a little bit later on. Yeah, I mean can't go wrong with any of that. From that sort of genre, no doubt about it. Really, just pop music in general. If you want to go that
0: far, uh, yeah, almost all of them. Some kind of, particularly, obviously Aretha and Sam Cooke, but um, all of them with a gospel church background mm-hmm. to them from the south. Um, Aretha probably probably the, the, the vocally, you know, the one who could do anything. Um, but incredible yeah. um, really, really most of it stems from, from the black churches in the South is, is really where most of that music um, has at least, at least one foot um, firmly planted in that tradition.
1: Uh, Cecil, is there a happier person, I guess, in Tuscaloosa right now in NATO's because it sounds like if the ACC has its way Nate Oates and Alabama already have an NCAA tournament bid secured. Uh,
0: yeah, that's everybody an interesting in the pool, Cecil. I'm sorry,
1: it's, it's an everybody
0: interesting concept. In yeah, um, you know, it, it's um, unless you're, you know, there's some APR ineligible teams and some, some, you know, you'd really have 346 teams um, available. <laughs> You'd have a buy structure in there. You'd have to play a first round um, that would knock out. If you wanted to go to 256, you'd play 90 first-round games, I'm assuming at regional sites, if not at home sites. Um, And then they'd give you 256, and that's just one extra weekend. Now That's 128 games on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, you know, that's manageable. I mean you, you figure out what your what your venues are. Um yeah, you know, most campus most campus sites, you know, let's just randomly say Notre Dame, they can host, you know, eight teams. That wouldn't be, be hard. So you have thirty two schools to host eight teams and, and play it down and so one extra weekend and you're at your sixty four and everybody can fill out a bracket then and and you've got a week for all that crazy. So, so, um, you don't lose the bracket, which is important. The bracket is, um, a tremendous source of entertainment and interest in the NCAA tournament. So, so one extra weekend, you've got your 64 teams. You fill out your bracket. Now, um, depending on how good you are, you, you, There'd be some upsets. It's basketball, um, but maybe that'd make it more interesting for one year. I wouldn't want to go to that format uh, forever because I think it it um, would devalue the regular season. But uh, who knows what the regular season this year is going to be? And if you play a regular season that's basically for seeding purposes, then that's then that's fine. Um, that's okay and. Sure. Um, for for one year, uh, it'd be experimental. It, there'd be some logistics to be worked out, but it's not the worst idea I've ever heard.
1: In terms of the value of the regular season in that scenario, um, is, is that problematic or is that, does that concern you? It is. Or is it, is is, is it just the, the, the prospect of it being a one-off?
0: You're know, just and, and playing not a for permanent seating, and you don't have that drama, that February drama. You don't have, yeah, um, Dick Vitale or, or bubble talk,
2: yeah, or yeah, yeah.
0: You know, I don't know what um, Joe Lenardi's going to do with himself um, <laughs> if there's no, if there's no selection. I guess you you tinker with the seating, uh, you know. But it's twenty twenty. Everybody's yeah. got a friend. Twenty twenty one in this case, but. Everybody's got to adjust. Um, didn't have a tournament at all last year, so I'm not going to gripe too much about any format or having a tournament. Um, and, and play it and see. And um, so, yeah, it'd be it'd be different, but a lot of things are different. Look how different football is, and we're still bickering about it. And what I'd like to see the most is if that's the plan, or if, if, you know, if there's another plan. Then let us know the plan here, and you know, by the first of October and I think we'll all I think once there is a plan people will get on board with the plan I think what you've got in football right now is there's no plan Um, there's a plan for the SEC but there's no national plan which the NCAA can do itself a great service when it comes off furlough by figuring this out and and if that's the way, I, I have no problem with that if the logistics work. If you play 90 first-round games on campus sides, you're you're left with 250. And, and some of the, that would have to be regionalized. You know, you don't want to fly um, Florida A&M out to Eastern Washington to play, even if that's the exact seating. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong. That's the way the NCAA tournament was for, for 40 years, you know, that you played regionally based. Um, and that's why the you know, the 1976 NCAA tournament probably the three best teams in the tournament, Alabama, Indiana, and Marquette or in Baton Rouge. Yeah, because it was yeah. regional because the Big 10 and the you know, that's that's not saying anything against UCLA, John Wood, great great teams that they had. But you know, that West Regional for many years in the 60s and 70s, nobody, either. who's going to beat them? New Mexico State. Um, you know, that, that was, you know, if you won the pack at what was, you know, the pack of eight, the pack 10, um, know yeah, then, then you were going to win the West region because it was you know, regionalized. It was Santa Clara or New Mexico state wasn't going to beat UCLA very often.
1: Cecil, we've had a couple weekends here of college football and we're moving toward integration of the uh, Power Five, a couple of the Power Five leagues here in the next couple of weeks before we get to the SEC uh, at the end of the month. What, what are some of your main takeaways uh, of what you've seen in these first couple weekends, maybe in terms of quality of play, the fan attendance perspective? Uh, Just sort of what struck you? What has struck you the most, maybe these first couple weeks?
0: Teams that haven't gotten to do much um, physical work, much contact work, mm-hmm. it shows. Got to block and tackle. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with Navy's plan, but they hadn't been able to have contact in practice. And it showed. It definitely showed. Um, I think there have been other games that have been, you know, Memphis, Arkansas State, uh, you know, there, there's missed tackles, not great line play. Um, so I'll be interested to see where the SEC teams are, where where Alabama is. It, you know, if LSU went without an offensive line for a week, then what, what could they do? I mean, there are some other things you could do, but... Tennessee's had to cancel the scrimmage. Auburn had to take, I guess, almost close to a full week and cancel the scrimmage. Um, and nobody, even even in a quote-unquote normal season, week one isn't always the sharpest week. But um, the, the teams that are ahead in blocking and tackling are going to be ahead if you can figure out who those teams are going to be. Given what we know
1: about these first couple weeks and sort of in connection with player availability and those things at Alabama, what we heard from Nick Saban last night in regards to the Crimson Tide's current quarterback situation, is it about what you would expect it to be? Is, is with an emphasis maybe on Bryce Young and you know, what he hasn't been able to do and what he's just now being able to do, is is that about what you expected to hear? It was. It was.
0: Uh, I think that, um, you know, he doesn't want to discourage anybody. One thing, somebody may have to play. That's, you know, you may, you may be down to one at some point in the season. Um, so, I think that he. he uh, Try to be optimistic about everybody and I think that's fair. I think that Mac, if everything's equal, that Mac will start that first game in, at Missouri and then we'll see how that game goes. Um, and you know I think Mac's got a pretty good lead. Again with Bryce, pe- people have to realize you know that, that he played a high school game and he has not even had a scrimmage, not just a game. But a scrimmage, technically, yeah. You know, now Nick Saban wouldn't call last Saturday's practice a scrimmage, he said as game simulation. So But Bryce did play, did play some eleven on eleven in that. But so so here's a guy you know, he had no spring. So so in, in those terms he's where he would have been in April, now he had a little more strength work and, you know, a lot of time to meet and get to know the offense and so forth. But, you know, there's just so much you can put on a kid who had these. I mean, that's the reason why quarterback signees come in in December these days. is so they can go through all that work and have three scrimmages and get that experience behind them. Um, Everything is going to be new to Bryce at whatever point that he goes in, and I certainly don't think that that that's going to be the first snap of the Missouri game, Uh, again, if Mac's available, Um, which certainly no reason to think he's not, but except 2020. Um, So, it's... it's, And yet, he's going to have the expectations that he has, and so I think Nick's trying to balance those things out.
1: And you talk about again, player availability, and you outlined the situation at Tennessee and, and Auburn, and I think Vanderbilt's had some issues, really just about across the league, LSU, um, in terms of what we know about. Uh, contact tracing seems to be the topic that keeps coming up. I know Jeremy Pruitt uh, went in depth on it and made mention of there being variances between counties and states and, uh, have have we not talked about contact tracing enough in terms of how it's potentially going to impact rosters. Once we get into the season, Cecil, I mean, we talked so much about case numbers. I know Nick outlined a little bit last night that hospitalizations have been down and, you know, the cases that Alabama has have uh, generally not involved symptomatic issues. uh, But, uh, contact tracing right now is is, is sort of the the wide ranging aspect of this that seems to be keeping a lot of these guys out.
0: No coach is going to say this, Travis, and, and I'm not even saying that that I think it's necessarily the best thing. But every coach would it's probably at the point where they wouldn't mind seeing the students the the. General student population, um, go go strictly to virtual learning. and Send them home. Yeah, you know, uh, I think every coach would. That would make every coach's life easier. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that that reflects college experience. Um, I'm not saying that the the needs of the football program come above the needs of the institution. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying from a practical standpoint. Uh, there's probably not a coach who, who wouldn't tell you off the record I wish they'd just put us in a bubble yeah you know I wish they'd just let us be here do our remote learning and um, be able to test and and do the things without as much contact as our guys have because yeah, I mean it, and it's not just and it's not just test solution. You know, there are big stories out of Gainesville today about how their numbers are high. You know, it's mm-hmm. Columbia, South Carolina, it's Baton Rouge, it's Auburn. Um, and um, it's Ains, Iowa. It's, it's um, Norman, Oklahoma. So, so you know, the, the several of these Big 12 non-conference games, which I don't really, I guess they needed them to get to 10 games in a 10-team league, but... Um, Several of these games have been postponed, Um, so uh, I I think the the SEC was smart to wait two more weeks. I'll be interested to see what the effects are in Clemson or or Georgia Tech and so forth um, after they play. But, uh, yeah, contact tracing is big, and contact tracing is much easier. Um, under those circumstances, if you didn't have a student population, yeah, I mean,
1: with the contact tracing protocol, uh, you're going to be sitting 14 days uh, still at some places where you test tests positive, positive or not.
0: Today he's not playing against Missouri. Yeah, the got to Think positive. Think got it that way. He's not playing against Missouri. Yeah, and we and, and we tracing, have how many? Uh, if Alabama's testing three times a week, we've got, what, six tests probably mm-hmm. between now and the game. And anybody that tests positive in those six tests isn't going to play against Missouri.
1: With Texas A&M set to come in here on October the 3rd, do you do you believe right now that the, the capacity number, fans in general, as we sit here right now, do you? Do you envision, assuming that game comes off as scheduled, do you envision fans being at Bryant Denny Stadium right now? If you had to guess for for Alabama, Texas A and M,
0: it's such a it's such a revenue question. Um, and you know they've they've sent the, the approvals. There's not a physical ticket anymore; everything digital. But. Um, yeah you know, I think the I think the, the the city certainly wants it for the revenue the the athletic department certainly wants it for the revenue um, but I would say that it's still it's still got to be up in the air on on weather, whether whether that is going to be the the best idea or not um just as far as the public health officials are concerned. Yeah. And this is this is a hot spot right now. And you're talking about bringing 20,000 people in even if you okay let's allow for student tickets or Tuscaloosa residents, residents plus say you're bringing 15,000 people in to attend and who knows And how then many on top or, of that. Yeah. On top of that. Just to be, because it's what they do on Saturdays, and, and you know they hang downtown or, or like I said, there won't be tailgating. Um, some schools are having tailgating. I guess Florida State and Clemson. They just, they're just, uh, yeah, let's go with the tailgate. Um, so, we'll see, we'll see. I think they they want to see how it goes. Maybe this weekend for some people, but yeah, right now I would say. I would say it's up in the air, but they're looking for a way to make it happen rather than a way to make it not happen. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens.
1: Hey, you said earlier, if you ask coaches off the record, uh, what would they prefer right now? And they would prefer uh,
2: all virtual well,
1: learning. Um, yeah. You know, it was kind of a, It was a good news, bad news, I guess, weekend if you're a coach like Nick Saban. The good news was it was a holiday weekend, so everybody pretty much left. And you had the the bubble to yourself, but then everybody comes back now. And so I guess the numbers that we see in relation to the return following the holiday weekend to Cecil go a long way in not only determining – Know how things come off from a schedule standpoint, but you know how you make those decisions in terms of uh, in terms of fan attendance and things like that.
0: Nobody went to the lake over the weekend, Travis. Nobody went to to a <laughs> bar. Went home to went home to uh, Sneed, Alabama, and went to one of the local option bars there in Garner's. Well, that didn't happen. You know,
1: no, uh, no, nobody went to the beach.
0: Nobody was at you the know? beach. Nobody was down there at the Florabama. No, um, and they were they were strictly socially distanced. If they were not mm-hmm. to pick out any single establishment. Um, so so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens? Hopefully, you know there, there are some numerical trends that have been better. I referenced those yesterday. And I think that that's that's great. I think it's great that hospitalizations are down and no players have been um, bad sick, as Nick called it. Nobody's been bad sick, um, and, and that's good. And you know, there's 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 not going to be a high mortality. There, there may be a virtual zero mortality among players, but it's it's the community spread again. That, that's what people are watching, not the mortality rate of twenty to twenty five year olds, which is going to be virtually zero.
1: Yeah, it was kinda of unfortunate, wasn't it? Because just after we heard from Nick Saban last night, we learned that a player at the division two level actually had passed away from COVID nineteen complications. Again, that it's it's
0: a very I, small, I small that, number. I saw that but Travis, it, it, it's his, not it, Here's what but, I don't know about this. Have they been practicing? Has he been on campus? Have they been involved in? Yeah, I don't, I don't. know the answer. They, to they that. don't have yeah. a season. You know, they don't have a championship. Yeah. they don't have a season. Has he even been on campus? Has there been any way to relate? You know, has he been practicing with other football players? Is there any right. way to relate? Um, a, a player. And again, this is this is you know nobody. Did Nobody. This is a, t- a tragedy. I, I feel for his family. Um, but a three hundred and fifty-five pound player with yeah. probably have some comorbidities. Um, what's the direct relationship of that to football? Um, if, if if he, I, I don't even know if if California, U of Pennsylvania has spring football. You know, if they do, did they have it? Has he mm-hmm. not played a snap of football since last? Um, well, they're certainly the not resourced like in Alabama. At I'm sorry,
1: California. They're certainly not resourced at a place like California University. They, they,
0: they're not. They're not testing at the same rate, and, right? And yeah, you know, so there there are many variables. Which is not to say that it's not a tragedy, but there are, there are a lot of variables, and you just say, mm-hmm. "Oh well, he's a football player and he died, and it's because of football." Yeah, I'd need to know more before I, I would venture that. But I, I'm, I wonder the last time that he took part in football-related activities would have been. Sure.
1: Yeah, in some ways, it sort of dispelled the 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 rhetoric and narrative about demographics. You know, with this disease, young people don't get sick, young people don't die. Well, there is one. They, they do, die. but and, at and the same time, he also he also fits some demographics of those who are suspect um,
0: and yeah. vulnerable, right? Right, and, and whether you know, was was were they having? I don't think I don't know this. But, uh, again, I need to to have more information. I doubt. I'll put it this way: I'll doubt that Cal U, of Pennsylvania, was out there scrimmaging every day or doing eleven on eleven if they were even practicing, if they had even practiced in the spring. Right. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know when the last time this young person was directly involved in football activities to the point where you could say, well, he got COVID-19. He picked up the coronavirus because of football, because of what he was doing for football. I just don't know right. if, that's, if that's the case or not the case, but I don't know the that's the case.
1: As we let you go, Cecil, big news out of Baton Rouge, 25% capacity for Tiger Stadium this season. And even bigger, Cecil, tailgating on campus at LSU will not be permitted in 2020. And LSU Athletics is encouraging fans without tickets to enjoy the game from
0: home. Good luck with that enforcement, right? We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> you know, they've they've had a tough time with with several things, including the hurricane. Um, yeah. they they've had a tough time with with coronavirus as we have, but they've had a tough time in Louisiana and a significant um, mortality rate. And uh, yeah, so maybe so, maybe people. You know, set aside the, the gumbo call. pot, or, or or you know, cook cook the gumbo at home. Um,
1: I'd go red fishing in the morning, man. Is what I would do, and then yeah, Ooh, have the gumbo army going. To the masters, yeah, get throw back masters. Yeah, that from baby from on the, the television. television.
0: Yeah, and uh, just just sit there and
1: Have the betta on ice. Cook. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. Have a have a cooler Some turbo and, dog and fish. That sounds yeah. And, somebody to, somebody, in town will be making a big pot of gumbo wherever you yeah. get that up. I, I could yeah. do it. I could
1: do it in Louisiana that, that, that wouldn't
0: way. Be the, that wouldn't be the worst weekend in the world. No. By any stretch.
1: No. I'd be one of the very best if you ask me. Well, so, you know, see, again,
0: fans like tell, I'll be interested to see a Clemson this weekend. Yeah, how, how that goes. Yeah, that will be Dabo has a playlist. Dabo's already I asked Dabo about <laughs> cutting off the artificial noise and he started telling him what songs he wants to hear.
1: What do you think's on Davo's playlist? I think That's uh, a good question. You know, I, it's question. hard to say with Davo. I think Dabo's got some REO Speed Wagon on that on that playlist though.
0: Dabo grew up a stone's throw from the Pelham Amphitheater. So Yeah. Dabo, Dabo might have gotten yeah. over there for a uh, for a triple bill of Steve Miller fog hat. <laughs> um Edgar Winter Group triple header one summer.
1: Yeah, he might, yeah, have, he he might, might even surprise you have a little white snake on there, you know?
0: Absolutely, some hair metal. Yeah, Here I go again metal. on my own. Here right. some, some yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Some pour some sugar on me. I can definitely see Dabo. <laughs> Going some death left. Oh Dabos playlist.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> absolutely. A little poison on there. Every rose has a thorn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, no doubt. That's big in, that was big in Pelham. You know it was.
1: Absolutely. Well, Cecil, we appreciate you here on the program. Appreciate your great work there at the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Thanks, man. Thank you. There you go. Cecil Heard on a Wednesday. That's going to take us into a wrap of a hump day edition of the program. Always a lot of fun catching up with Cecil. Joe Gaither, the executive producer of the program. And we also had James the intern, rocking and rolling there in the production booth at Tide 100.9 FM today. The lunch whistle today that is going to be Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Was there yesterday? I had that chopped wedge salad with the grilled chicken, with the homemade balsamic dressing, those biscuit croutons, and then I had to get, I had to get the uh, bacon ranch tots as the side. They're outstanding. Southern alehouse 1530 McFarland Boulevard north until 11 a.m. on Thursday have a great rest of your Wednesday everybody thank you for
2: listening